what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Glenn, Pat. It's time for new ads. It is time for new ads. They have new sponsors. But we've also got some remaining ones as of well course. that we've got to bless them. So it turns out we're actually behind because people jumped into our Patreon and sent us much money and we didn't realise. Until they said, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Hey, where's our ads? Yeah. Here it is. We're doing it. You know where you should get dog training equipment in North America now? Who? Mojo Dog Co. Mojo Dog Co. Yeah, mojodogco.com mm. is a website. There's a real store. It's in Chicago. Yep. But it's a website you can totally go to and they pretty much sell everything. They've got mills. They've got training gear. They've got apparel. There's food. There's dog beds. Like it's a legit store. I've and been you've there. been there, I've you? been there, yeah. Yeah, you've I, witnessed I, it firsthand. You've I, smelt um, the odors. You've tasted the food. You've run on the mills. I committed theft. I stole a tub. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was allowed to take it. Too late now. I've got it. I, yep. I, I just trained with it today. So basically he's paying us Patreon money for you to steal his toys. Yeah. It's okay. a it's a great Klein tug. It's fantastic. A Klein tug? Yeah. Oh, it's excellent. You know who else sells a Klein tug? Uh, who? The Buffhead. The OG Buffhead. Really? Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. He, he, in fact, he does. I got from the Buffhead a Klein flirt pole which all the dogs favour over all the other ones. Really? Yes. They you like shouldn't that. allow toy preferences, Len. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They do. They choose what they want. We have two places that you could get dog training equipment. Yes. MojoDogCode.com. Yeah, in North America. Yeah. And Einzawiener. Yep. Dot Buffed. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what's a really cool product? The Rowdy Hound Dog Kennel. It's the kennel that attaches, like it's a crate that attaches to your motorcycle. Yeah. So you can take your dog anywhere that you're traveling if you own a motorcycle and yep. you want to take your dog with you. If safely, I owned a motorcycle, safely, if safely. I owned a motorcycle or a dog that wanted to ride one, yep. I would 100% get one. I own a motorcycle. You should get one. I should get one. You should get one. I can see you a little Frenchie hanging yep. off the back of your motorbike. Mm. Yeah, I think that Mando would probably cause me to come off my bike. He yeah. would probably rock around like crazy on yeah. that thing. But yeah, a little Frenchie. little dog like what George Kittridge does, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful bloke and a dear friend of ours. Sponsor of the show. Sponsor of the show. And he takes his little Blue Healer, which mm-hmm. is an Australian dog. Mm-hmm. And George has been out here in Australia. He knows all about Australia. He mm-hmm. stayed in Australia. He's done it all. Mm-hmm. But he actually takes his little Blue Healer. And he rides her all around the state and he teaches other people how to do it as well with their dogs. So not only does he sell the product, but he trains people on how to use it as well. That's great. It is. You know, he should get everybody to do a big road trip up to Canada. Yeah. You know what they could do in Canada? What's that? Go to Dan Croft. Ah, Dan Croft. Geez, they could watch a puppy class there, couldn't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're doing seminars as well. Really? Yeah, they've got seminars, they've got teaching, they've got education. But as I spoke to Daniel, who runs Dan Croft, Mm -hmm. he was telling me all about their amazing puppy classes and they do some kick-ass social media. Yeah, they do. They've got some pretty extreme type of breeds over there that they've got them all under perfect control. Like all these American Staffies, they've got all these bull breeds that people complain about, whinge about and say they can't be trained. And Mm -hmm. Dan Croft has them doing not only 
beautiful stays, but they also have them on balls. Mm. So they have the dog, Incredible. you know, like inside a tyre and the dog's doing beautiful drop stays while they're at peace and at harmony and somebody's walking around, all the owners are there with the dogs. They're having a great time. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, I bet those dogs are well-conditioned and healthy. Yep. Yeah. How would they do that? Probably the best way is to get yourself some canine suticles. Have you been using it? I have actually. No shit. Like jokes aside, Remy was circling the drain. He was in bad shape. And yeah. I said to Narelle, hey, I want to try and get him back in condition, mm. see how much longer I can get from him. Because like the mind is willing, but the body is weak. Yep. And so she hooked me up with all the right things and he's a million times better. In fact, he's actually better than he has been in you know probably two years. And you did a really cool social media content for Narelle the other day, which he really appreciated. I make sweet reels, bro. You do. You yep. are pretty good with your reels. Again, all jokes aside, I'm not just saying this because Narelle's my wife. I make this very clear, but she what? Is, she's actually a genius with that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. When other people are sort of relaxing and kicking back, I know people are busy and they've got things to do, but Narelle reads white papers. She's doing everything. She's always looking how she can improve the standards in a dog's life. So like, she actually amazes me. She's mm. very, very industrious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mojo Dog Co. Yep. Eins a Wiener. Eins a Wiener. Mm-hmm. Rowdy Hound. Rowdy Hound. Dan, Dan Croft. Croft. Canon yep. yep. Thank you all very, very much. You guys sponsor the show. If you want to support the show, support them. Yeah, the place to get the gear. Yeah. And if you get into Patreon and you tick that box, just know that we don't check that very often. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to tell <laughs> you us. You've got you to you, you you shoot us a message. Yeah, it's fine for you to let us know. We really appreciate you. We started off our shows talking about some of our new attributes, things that we've got. Yeah. And we would never have got that without Patreon support. It's That's Patreon right. that pays our bills. All right. Enjoy the show. And our sponsors. Enjoy the sponsors. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. And today we have a very special guest joining us in the studio. It's the first time we've done that in a long time. Mm. Actually, Glenn, it's the first time we're using our new mic arm so we can actually see our guest. It is. It's very fancy. Yes. (laughs) Over the table, we have Lara Shannon. Let me introduce you a little bit. You have your own TV show on Channel 10 called Pooches at Play. That's correct. I do. Amazing. Aren't I a lucky girl? <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure. Well, I kind of invited myself because I was out here. No, you just say it like that. <laughs> I was filming with Narelle. We were doing a segment, as we do every year for Pooches at Play, and I saw Glenn and I said, how's the podcast going? And he said, you were coming out here. And I was like, oh, you know, I should come on sometime. And it's like, do you want to hang around? Sure. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought no time like the present. Exactly. You're actually from Melbourne and you're in Sydney and what do you usually come up here like two or three times to chat with Narelle or something like that? Yeah. And I thought, that's great. We were talking about getting a topic and I thought, how good would it be to have you on the show today? Perfect timing. Yeah. Most of our listeners are actually in the US. So for you guys listening, Channel 10 is one of our (laughs) free to air TV stations. like CBS owned. Yep. Your show is on there. How long has it been running? We are now into filming series eight. So I did two in one year. So seven years it's been over here. And yes, yeah, so in the US, they can watch it on our YouTube at least. So mm-hmm. they might not, they can't get to channel 10, but it is on YouTube. We put all their past series up there. And my books are in the US as well. So okay. hopefully they can look at those. What's your book those. called? I've got Eat, Play, Love Your Dog, mm-hmm. which is kind of my Bible of how to look after your dog from puppyhood through to end of life. I talk through eat, obviously, food and nutrition. A lot of Narelle's passion is. 
is. Yep. Play is all around building a bond, a bit of training and the like, and they're in love is how to take care of them mm-hmm. um, for all of their life as well. And then my other book, World of Dogs. So that's just a little fun facts and quirky insights about dogs, where they came from, cultural attitudes all around the world. I didn't know you were an author. See, yeah, I've learned something author. about it. That's a great thing about doing a podcast is I thought you were a TV personality and a dog trainer, which will tease out of you as we go along. Yes. But I didn't know you were an author. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Pandemic was good for something. Wasn't it? <laughs> so you wrote it during pandemic? I did, yes. Actually, it was funny because the next thing I wanted to do on my list, you know, I had the show and I was like, and I, you know, I'm a journalist by trade, so I had always wanted to write a book. And I got myself a mentor actually to figure out, okay, how was I going to do this next? Because she writes a lot of books. And then literally after my first session, the next day I got home and there was an email going, hi there, we're trying to get hold of Lara Shannon. We'd like to talk to her about a book. I was like, wow, this universal stuff really works, doesn't it? Mm, That's (laughs) fortuitous. And so the book about dogs around the world, how did you research that? Like. Well, that was really interesting. They actually came to me and it was part of a destination series. So they had different books, you know, destination coffee and destination yoga and stuff like that. And then fortunately by the time they came to me, they realised that no one understood why they were called destination stuff. So it was called World of Dogs. And literally I just, you know, luckily for the internet that we get and everything, Mm -hmm. looked up all the facts that existed and kind of thought about what do people want to know. So we looked at the role of dogs in the culture from films and TV and books in our lives, the development of dogs, and then looking at each region because, of course, everywhere around the world there are a lot of similarities. A lot of people love their dogs like we do and they're a part of the family, but in many countries, Mm. you know, they're primarily bred for breeding. Mm -hmm. Um, Some, I did write this on uh, social media the other day and someone really wasn't happy, but, you know, it was some of the facts that some in some parts of the country they are food. Yeah. So, yeah, just kind of looking at the different cultural attitudes and what we think of them and some of the unique breeds as well that come from different parts of the country. That's an interesting thing that you just mentioned about the food thing and people's uproar and horror around it. What about for cultures who see cows as deities? Well, that was, I did write back to her. But that's the thing, (laughs) right, is that, and I agree, I mean, we're in a part of the world where we don't see that as a cultural Mm. thing, you know, like for us, dogs and cats are companion animals. Where in other parts of the world, they're fair game. Absolutely. They're like everything else. And I think what people really struggle with is the horrendous way that they're treated. I think that's where the real sufferance and the real horrendous thoughts that people have around it. And and I have to agree with them, seeing those sort of images as just blood curdling. Well, it's the same with any animal. I mean, my background is actually, you know, I decided when I was 21 that I wanted to save the world. So I was working in the media in radio and then decided, nope, that was it. I saw a documentary about the orangutans. That's it. That's what I'm going to do. So I actually quit my job. I was going to go join Greenpeace and then was like, do they actually pay people? To do I, was, I was living in Sydney. I just moved there. And then I saw a job advertised for the world in America. It's called the World Wildlife Fund. Here it's now Worldwide Fund for Nature, WWF. Literally two weeks later, I had a job with them as their corporate relations officer. So I spent 25 years basically on wildlife conservation. So when a lot of people talk to me and particularly with the TV show, one of our food sponsors is Big Dog or Raw Food. Mm. And, you know, we've had a lot of people write in around and they use kangaroo and, you know, all the killing method and everything. I'm kind of like, hang on, we need to put this in perspective. Do you eat meat? I've been vegan, I've been vegetarian, I've been pescatarian, you know, I'm pescatarian now, you know, it's kind of like it depends where you come from, as you say. And then for me, ultimately as well, it's about the sustainability. How are they killed? You know, we're completely unsustainable globally on no matter what 
meat you eat. And that for me is the problem. It's how they're treated and how they kill and just the complete wastage in the industry. Let me just understand, were people complaining that they use kangaroo? Yes, there was a lot around kangaroo. That's wild because kangaroo, like this is one of the craziest things. I was just explaining this. I just got back from America a few weeks ago. I was just trying to explain to people there. Not only is kangaroo like a pretty amazing source of protein, it's not perfect for dogs. You have to have fat Mm. added, right? But like, I'm sure they do that with the brand, but those kangaroos are getting shot anyway. Yes. Kangaroos are not farmed. That's what I was trying to explain to people. It's yes. like it's illegal to farm kangaroos. There's no one farming them. Those kangaroos that dogs are going to eat and that people are going to eat, they're getting shot and you can leave their bodies to rot where they are or you can harvest them and the cycle can continue. And yes. a lot of people just don't get that. Like no. they just can't wrap their head around the fact that that's happening regard- because yes. that's causing issues for crops and we wouldn't have food sustainability and blah, blah, blah. People don't understand that kangaroos are like – the most hardy creature on the planet. They don't understand the rate at which they can breed and how little food they actually need to survive and with modern farming causes kangaroo populations to explode and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. People don't get that. But like to be opposed to having it in dog food is one of those things where you just say to people like, hey, you're missing some critical information here. Like you're you're missing a link that you should really understand. Yeah, and I think – Having started my career with WWF, which was basically they bought the first Greenpeace Warrior. So if I joined Greenpeace, probably my attitude would be quite, maybe I would be quite different. I'd be one-sided or one-sided only. And I think it's the journalist in me as well. I try and look at both sides every time and see both sides of the story and the pros and cons of each. And there's always pros and cons of each issue. The wastage is a big thing for me as well when it Mm. comes to killing animals. You know, dying is a a part of life, but I guess the question is how is it done? Look at live exports. That's horrific. It's just a big minefield, but then you've got people who kind of like just not flat out, no, Mm. no animal should die. I get that as well. Then on the other side, you've got those that are completely, yes, I'm only going to eat meat and and kill, kill, kill. Wow. <laughs> I've done it. I did carnival. I know and I don't buy it. That's not for me but I also still have to see both. You know, I just yeah, still yeah. always like to see both sides of the story and just there needs to be more education. I think, as I said, with WWF, you know, I've worked with corporates. You know, I've raised mm-hmm. funds from Rio Tinto, you know, big miners to try and save the animals. Well, what are we meant to do? Just sit there and say no. And I think this is the problem. For me it's always just about how do we make progress in a kind way Mm. Uh, and unfortunately you know the world it's a mess yeah so we've got to try and find solutions and it's hard to see that sometimes so I just try and stay balanced and try not to hit anyone too hard with my opinions and views and if I look at why I think I have this view is because joining WWF rather than Greenpeace you know, we had to come along behind. So you definitely need your activists. You need the people that are so passionate and committed to their cause out there creating the issue and making people sit up and notice, making governments notice, making corporations notice. And working with WWF, it was my job to then come along and work with those corporations and find ways that, I mean, they're going to do their business anyway. Mm. So how can I get your business to at least do something good in the world. Mm. And I think having that background of having to find the balance between the two rather than, yeah, if I joined Greenpeace, you'd probably be talking to a very different (laughs) girl right now. But I understood that you have to find the balance and somehow you have to all play in the playground together and how are you going to do that 
for mutual benefit, but also that we are making progress and change in the world. Mm. It's funny how like your perspective on things changes, right? Like when you're on different sides of it. Yes. I was in the army. I was in a special forces unit. Remember when the Greenpeace boat got boarded by those French special forces guys? Yes. I was like, wow, that would be so much fun to be boarding the boat of <laughs> kicking hippies overboard. That would be so much fun, <laughs> right? Like, and, and at the time I was a hundred percent on the side of those assaulters. Cause yes. I, I could only identify, like, cause I joined the army pretty much straight out of school. Yeah. I'm 19. The guys in black kicking indoors, that's the only perspective I had. Mm. And I was like, they got sent to do that. How much fun that would have been. Ship underway is such a difficult thing to do, like as an assault. Like yes. It's a really <laughs> tricky task. I was like, what an exciting time. And now as like a 40-year-old man who's been out of the army eight years, I'm like, oh, those mean fascists. Yes. <laughs> I'm totally on the side of the hippies, right? Yeah. You only know what you know, you yeah. know, and a lot of people unfortunately – just see one way. And as I said, we definitely need that. And there is nothing better than someone that's committed to a cause when it's a good cause and it's making positive change in the world. That's amazing. That's great. We need more people like that. But at the same time, there still needs to be a mill road somewhere yeah. in there. Otherwise you're going to get nowhere. Yeah, exactly. You brought it up before where you discussed the concept of balance. I think that's pretty much the message that we've been trying to spread forevermore since we mm. started the podcast or even Years before the podcast, there's been associates and groups that I've marched with for rights of other people. And it's always been about the balance of provisions for other people, because I really believe that perspective is everything. Mm. As you said before, Pat, when you're talking about it from the perspective of special operations, then as a perspective of a civilian, mm. it changes everything. Going back to what something that you said before, Lara, which has been brought up on the show before, I think Chad Mackin brought it up years ago, who's a dog trainer from the US. Yes. And it's about the perspective of what the other side sees mm. and bringing us to accountability of some of the cruel things or yes. some of the shitty things that happens to dogs or people or sea mammals or whatever it is that we really, it's out of sight, out of mind. We yes. don't see it. And then activists bring it to a forefront where mm -hmm. they say, hey, this is happening and people are doing these horrendous things. Like it's one thing to bring it to your plate, but it's another thing on the way it's actually happening. Yes. You know, or when people are training dogs this is what old mate was doing out in the back paddocks when he was training dogs and these are why these dogs are trembling with fear and are completely shut down by the time they go back to their owners and nobody knew about it mm. because nobody exposed it or cared to. The problem is the extremities, the yes. extremism in Absolutely. any side in, and the way that they shut you down and control you, they're just as bad mm. because they don't allow you to have a balanced perspective. They don't allow you to meet somewhere or have minds meeting in the middle. They say, we're going to control what you say. We're going to control the narrative. We won't allow you to do mm. this because it doesn't fall into line with the way we think. It's difficult. Yes. There are eggshells that we've all got to step on. There are certain things that Pat and I want to talk about on this show from time to time and we've had to handbrake each other from time to time where we thought, yeah. oh, this is probably not a good conversation to have because A, it's probably ranty or B, it's heading in a sensitive area. Yes. It's not that we don't want to talk about controversial things from time to time, but there is a way the message needs to be brought into the forefront because the other issue is that you can activate people yes. against them. And then that's another form of extremism where they can say, Pat and Glenn are leading a charge to go after these people. I want to show them that we're capable of this and champion it for them. Mm. And that's a problem in itself is yes. because that's not what you want to do. You don't want to be the spark in a tinderbox mm. to create a problem. There is problems in the dog training community right now. 
the balanced force-free community are at each other's throats once yes. again. And Pat made a really good point the other day in the, in the episode that we're doing where he said the problem is is that you just can't be positive enough for some of these people. Yes. And that's the issue is how positive do you have to be? Like why can't we be more inclusive of each other? Yeah. Again, it made me think of a comment you were talking about before where somebody said to me when I was a kid, somebody's trash is somebody's treasure. Yes. And that's the way that we all have perspective in life is somebody will throw something away or discard something where somebody will see value in it or vice versa, where somebody has something that they think is very valuable and it could be an opinion or it could Mm -hmm. be a system or a belief. Somebody else will poo-poo it straight away and say, I don't believe in that. I don't invest in that line of thinking. It's just not the same line that I have. But they've never looked at it from the point of view of perspective. They've never dared cross the threshold where they've Mm -hmm. said, let me walk in your shoes for a day or a week and at least investigate it a little bit further. Not shutting it down, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and recalling on your previous comments when we started up that you used to be a journalist and in some ways you still are. You're yeah. a TV personality, you're still a journalist, you're still asking questions, you're still interviewing people. Yes. So part of being a journalist is investigating, is finding the truth. What is it that's actually going on? Like when you're yeah. reporting about something, it's not just to tell your side of the story. It's, well, it shouldn't be. It's, well, it's, exactly. It, it, <laughs> some outlets it is, but uh, <laughs> in an ideal world, no. But really good journalism is where people dare to find out what's the middle ground here. Yeah. You know, like what's really going on in these two conversations and why can't we arrive at this truth? Because you had a story and and you had a version, but really there's a whole nother side of this that could work for both people and satisfy all needs. Yeah. And I think the big thing as well is every case and every situation is an individual situation as well. And even with dogs, there's individual dogs. Yeah. So I think to say blanket, no, this, this is the right way. We know as dog trainers, there's no exact right way because what could work for one dog is not necessarily going to work for another dog. Mm. You know, I never purport to have the answer, especially as a dog trainer. I'm always like, well, this is what I suggest that that you do. This is the behaviour and what we think, even as best we know from the research that we have. And ultimately, I even say to people, I'm like, look, the dog can't tell me exactly (laughs) what he's thinking. So all I can tell you is from experience or from observing this behaviour and what we know and we've learned. However, I don't think there's any finite answer on anything in this world. Mm. I, know, I don't know if that may, or that's my journalistic brain. I'm always trying to find, yeah, but can someone just give me like the answer mm. to whatever it is? Like I want the fundamental answer. 42. Right? Yeah. Okay. 42. What about like, okay, is there a God, <laughs> right? You know, like just someone give me answer. Are there UFOs and are there ghosts? Like they all contradict each other, but I, you know, someone will give me an, oh, yes, there are. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah. UFOs. Yeah. Okay. There's a God. Okay. There's, yeah, there's a ghost there. I believe in it all. So okay, there's no so- one answer. <laughs> If that's the case, is the world flat or is it round? <laughs> well, I think it's round, but hey, I don't know. In this universe, maybe my brain. I mean, are we here? I don't know. If oh, you God, read or like, you know what I mean. So imagine this is how my head works sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, let me bring us around. You know, most of our listeners are industry people, right? Mm-hmm. They're trainers or training enthusiasts at the minimum. Let's talk a little bit about like having a show. Yes, a nationally syndicated. It's a big show. As a trainer on that from a sort of a bit of a behind the scenes perspective. Tell me about like, how did it come to be that you have the show? Mm. And then I want to sort of tease apart a little bit, like the challenges you face in being a real dog trainer, but then also having to be a performer essentially because it's TV, right? Yes. Working in the environment sector. So I was a, Green before it became mainstream is I used to have a website called Eco Chick. 
com, and this was yeah way before you know I was the first directory out there and everything, and and I didn't really monetize it all of that, and I used to do a lot of television appearances talking about you know how to make climate change make sense to five to twelve year olds on a kids cartoon show, mm. so that's always been producing little segments trying to yeah break down really big topics and make them make sense all for creating a better world and better world for our animals. So I went and filmed a documentary in Borneo about the orangutans. Finally, I was doing what got me started in the first place and I came away from that then it aired on Channel 9 and it was a really great experience. It was my first documentary that produced myself. I was talking to the ABC, one of the networks over here, and was trying to get a series up and running, just missed out. And then I was like, oh. I really want to do this. In the meantime, I'd also had a dog that I inherited that had really bad separation anxiety. And I, at the time, kind of looking back, I did a lot of what was right, but it was very traumatic. And when he passed away, I had a bit of a gap year. I sold my house and I was like, what am I going to do? And in the meantime, I'd been walking all the neighbors' dogs. I'd been looking after dogs. So I started a dog walking and minding business. Mm -hmm. And I thought, actually, I'm going to create a TV show as well. I'm going to take all my experience, my backgrounds, you know, raising money through corporate partnerships and um, for the American listeners probably won't understand how it works here, but my show is brand funded and so it means I have to create partnerships, mm-hmm. create content around that and I actually pay the network to air my show. Okay, um, let me tease that apart because yeah. that's super interesting to yeah. me. Mm. So you produce the whole show yourself. Yes. You employ your own cameraman. You, yes. The editing, everything is you have total editing control. Yes. Nobody, like you don't hand over footage to someone else and no. they say, we're going to make no, a show, see all, you later. It's all on my head. Right. <laughs> and then you have people that are paying to be their advertisers but embedded right. within the show. Yes, they are. And I have partnerships, corporate partners. So a big retailer, Pet Stock's my main partner, Big Dog Pet Foods. And the great thing for me is that I have been able to work with companies that I believe in. Mm -hmm. I haven't had to sell my soul, I guess, unfortunately, so far, touching wood. And I've been able to make a dolly. If I wanted to get greedy, I probably would. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's how it's done. And so I have to integrate their products and services. But we've come a long way now. They've kind of moved with me. Series one was very salesy, you know, hey, this product, whereas now I can talk about an issue I'm passionate about or that people need to know about. And I just happen to integrate the product as a part of the solution. Okay, cool. And I suppose, you know, that first season, were you getting a lot of push from them or you were just making sure they were happy to continue? I was just making sure they were happy. So they're pretty hands off. They're happy for you. To do well, whatever. yeah, they were. Everyone's. I've been pretty lucky working with great people, but because you know, at the end of the day, having worked, you know, I was always about delivering. Because um, after being a journo and with WWF, it was all about creating big campaigns. So I have created a one man's trash is one man's treasure mm. environmental campaign, getting a sponsor to fund that, and then delivering marketing benefits to them. So again, part of my background has been that as a job. Mm. So I've been able to take that my on-air experience, my journalism experience, my love of animals, interest in dogs and bring it all together. And then that's when I decided, well, if I'm going to make a dog show, I better know what I'm talking about. Mm. So that's when I went and uh, with the National Dog Trainers Federation, did their course and absolutely loved it. Okay, cool. So you have corporate sponsors to help you create the show. Then you go to the network and say, I have this product. Yes. It's finished. And you then pay them to air it and that comes through the that money for that comes from those sponsors. So I had to, yeah. So first of all, I had to get a time slot because to sell a show. So yeah, unfortunately you can't just go out there, make a show and give it to the network. So I had to sell in the idea to the network. Right. Um, so they still have to like the idea. Of course. And then they agree to give me a time slot. 
they say, this is how much we're going to charge you. And then I go, right, I go, how am I going to make money? I've better, I've got to pay everyone in the process here. And then I go away and get the partnerships. Right. So yeah, time slot first. If anyone's out there wanting to do it, make sure you get a network that says they're going to air it. Otherwise mm-hmm. you could get your sponsor's money and have it playing to no one. Mm-hmm. So that's how it works. And, and that's typical of a lot of TV in Australia, right? In Australia, yes. So unless you're making reality dating shows, anything controversial, prime time is commissioned. So that's when they will pay you and, and to make the show. Then you are reliant on rating really highly. And mm-hmm. that's why sometimes you can get axed really quickly. So mine is a bit of a harder model, but it's a safer model if you're producing something good and you know what you're doing mm-hmm. because then I can still control it a bit. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, well, that's what I wanted to get to. And you've yeah. kind of put a hard stop to what I wanted to talk about <laughs> because something that terrifies me is you see people, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had a Netflix show on dog training, right? Yes. And the thing is like dog training is so boring when it's done well. Like there, there sh- yes. there, nothing crazy should happen. Oh, I know. Right? I know. Like to watch someone training a dog, if you're not really into dog training, like people will watch – you know, the high-level dog trainers train a dog because yes. it's fascinating and yes. they're magicians and whatever. But a normal dog trainer is training a dog. It's boring. Yes. And so through the magic of editing, there has to be drama. drama there has to be. Yes. <laughs> We're seeing that with a few, There's, you know, obviously one of the shows coming out that was on Sevens now coming out on Ten, Dogs Behaving Very Badly, that is all created around drama. Yeah. And as a dog trainer, it makes me cringe. Well, that's the issue, right? Because like, I get it. Like I'm the way I teach is through storytelling. I think that people understand that, but there has to be a beginning, middle and end to a story. And there has to be a protagonist. There has to be a reason we're going through this. There has to be some concern, whether it's going to work, you know, like all the things that make for a good TV show make for terrible dog training. They do. And that's the difference. That's why I'm on a weekend (laughs) because I can make the show my, you know, my pictures at play is very unapologetic education-based. People watch the show. I mean, I try and make it entertaining as well, you know. Not many people like my jokes, but I think they're funny. Um, (laughs) But what I try and do with it then is every segment will – be trying to solve a problem mm-hmm. that the average like, pet owner might encounter. What are we dealing with? And educating them. I'm very much about the education. So, you know, why do we have to flee our dog? What ticks can kill our dogs? Because I have to talk about some stuff that's not that exciting. Yeah, yeah. And I have to try and come up every series with eight stories around flea ticks and parasites. Yeah, yeah. Like eight that's, series on. You know? But, like, that serves a really important purpose a, to yeah. the population mm, to does. see that stuff yes. and understand it and know there's a reason. Because you see what will happen is, you know, like it'll come up in the feed. Next guard killed a dog, right? Oh, and absolutely. so people then are like, well, I shouldn't use that. No. And it's like, well, did it? Did you? Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> and, you know, and, and what are the consequences of not using flea yeah, tick? Like, exactly. So it's about education, and we've got a lot of we've got a couple of dog poop stories. We always do a dog poop story, but we got two in this one. Um, <laughs> but you know, just explaining to people and just trying to, you know, the fact that yeah, your kids are out in the backyard playing with the dog poop, and did you know that there is zoonosis that you know roundworm can actually cause all of these? It's just talking about things, trying to make it a bit fun. Mm-hmm. You know, having dogs in the overlay and the like, but just so people kind of go, I didn't know that. I hadn't actually thought about that. Better wash my hands next time I'm out playing <laughs> with yeah. the dog because I didn't know that actually I could, you know, not only is it a bit ugh, I could yeah, actually yeah. Um, get a serious, serious issue. Yeah. yeah. Same with the behaviour and training. So a lot of my training segments, they're not – 
do this, do that, because as you say, that'd be pretty boring. And plus how many problems can I solve in a short 22-minute, half-hour show, you know? For me it's around educating people around why dogs do what they do Mm -hmm. because I find that once people understand why they do it, then it makes a lot more sense. If you tell a person, okay, so this is how you're going to stop your dog doing that, like let's take my reactive, you know, all right, your dog's reactive, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, okay. And then they'll still go do it. But then when you explain, well, this is a trigger and this is how your dog's actually feeling when it sees that trigger and there's a certain distance that it's going to create. So that's why they're actually going off at that time and then Mm. other times that they're okay. Once people understand why a dog's doing what it does, they'll start to apply it a bit more in their day-to-day, well, we hope so, in their day-to-day situations, I guess. And that was certainly why I was so interested in find the whole behaviour side of it so fascinating. I don't I don't do a lot of one-on-one dog training. I don't have time, but I spend a lot of time, you know, I get a lot of emails and writing articles and explaining to people the why, mm-hmm. what's going on in the dog's head. And that's what I'm really interested in. Am I the world's best dog trainer physically? No. But am I good at helping people understand the behaviour behind it? Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, that's the function. That's mm. awesome. Yeah, that, that's interesting. That's a good point. There are kings in the world, kings and queens, and there are king and queen makers. And that's an important distinction to know which column mm. that you actually fit in sometimes because I think if you're a kingmaker and you're struggling to be a king, you're in your wrong lane. You're in a in a world of hurt already. Yes. And I, I see the same sort of thing in life as well. Like there are certain people that fit a column but for some reason they fight against it. And then when they come back to their column they realise, oh, I'm good at this but yes. I don't know why but I feel attracted to go and do something else. And they might try it and fail dismally and they get pulled back into their column again. It kind of happened with me with dog training because I flew into a few other things and then I kept getting pulled back into it. And for a long time I was trying to fight away from it and I didn't understand that. You know, like I loved it and yes. it made sense to me. But then I'd think, oh, it was like a cat chasing a butterfly. <laughs> I'd see something shiny and think, oh, I'm going to go off in that direction and do that now. Yes. But then I came back to it and I've seen other people go through those same sort of struggles in life. Listening to your conversations before about the whole TV show, is there anything that or a particular type of thing that you like reporting on or something that stood out to you in your career? In terms of the dog stuff and my team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, for me it is all around the behaviour. Look, we do a lot with the assistance and the therapy dogs and I always love hearing about the wonderful things that pets bring to our lives. Mm. But, yeah, I love doing my dog training behaviour tip segments. I do. I just get really excited about helping understand, you know, or even just talking about interactive toys and why they're so important. Anxiety, like you can tell who got a rescue dog with severe anxiety disorder during lockdown because last series we probably had about eight stories, if not more, on anxiety and just every little, you know, separation anxiety. You know, here's a tip on how to get your dog used to being home alone. Oh, and by the way, let's explain anxiety disorder. Oh, and have I talked about the role of interactive toys for anxiety? You know, yeah, anxiety. And there was a lot on reactivity as well because having a fear-based reactive dog, that's kind of my thing now. So I've actually been doing a lot more consults on that when I've had the time because Once upon a time, I was not comfortable doing that. You know, any kind of aggressive dog, I handball to those that I have far more experience than I do because it's obviously a very big issue, very dangerous to get it wrong as well. So I would not touch that because I had no direct real experience, but now I do actually. There's there's a couple of things to pull apart in that as well is there's different tiers of aggression as well. I generally encourage people not to mess around with aggression, but when I'm talking about that, I probably should clarify that 
there are elevations of yes. what I consider what aggression is because there are people that bring dogs to me here and Andrew, my colleague out there, and I'll say, oh, I've got a really aggressive dog. And we look at it and go, oh, that's not actually aggression. Yes. Mm. That is frustration. Yes. But they don't know. Nobody's ever explained them. It's not their job to know. They might be a very wise and diligent person in their field, but they don't know what true aggression looks like. Yes. There's a lot of people who can deal with that and are in a position they can work with those type of dogs. And as you said before, interactive toys. Narelle's colleague, Deb, she's got a little dog. He's a rescue dog and he's gone through some behavioural issues, but she does everything that she could possibly do for Mm. him. She has him on Narelle's products. She gets the interactive toys from him. She makes sure that she keeps him away from situations that creates arousal for him. She does everything that she could possibly think of and more. There's a lot of people out in the industry, a lot of budding trainers that can actually help people with that. The problem is, again, it's when, you know, like when we were having that Kingmaker King conversation, some of these people get confused about it or even attracted into now that I've done this, I'm just going to jump the fence and go into hardcore aggression. That's where it's dangerous and that's where the issue arises and that's where people really need to, it's not that they need to stay their lane, they need to learn. If they want to do it, what they need to do is they need to, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, they need to pay a mentor and they need to go and work with a specialist who's, who's walked that ground Because hopefully that person did exactly the same thing as I'm describing. They work with a mentor who showed them how to work with aggressive dogs and bring them through it. Fundamentally, as we were talking before, and as you mentioned before too, Lara, all we're doing is giving people a list of educated suggestions until we start seeing results, until we can actually start seeing it going in the right sort of direction. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it a lot of times, when you go to a doctor, that's exactly what the doctor is doing. Tell me what the symptoms are. Tell me what's going on. I'll start testing and I'll start looking into why this could possibly could be, be happening. Why it could be we happening. Don't have the and, up. Unless you go there with an art, it's the same thing I've said to my staff here. We are not vets. We do not give out veterinary advice to people. Unless you can see that there is a dog with a 90 degree arm, don't say that the bone is broken. Don't say anything. Yeah. Just say, we're going to take the dog to the vet and we're going to get the vet to check the dog out and then we'll determine what's actually mm. going on. And this needs to be the same thing with dog trainers and behaviorists is the right person for the right job. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't give the advice. Just don't say it. Yes, exactly. And I should say that when I do, I use aggression very widely because sometimes that's all that people yeah, yeah. like. So Vindy, half his stuff is frustration. Yeah, it is all fear based. So to the ordinary person, it looks aggressive, but he's actually scared stiff. And a lot of the time he's just trying to get the threat away. Would I work with a dog that's deemed aggressive or dangerous? No. Mm. So I guess I should clarify, I use aggression very loosely in this and even react. I know it's hard to find a word to describe because you don't, even want, to la- you don't even want to label your dog. Like, okay, so he's, been, he's, he's probably not aggressive, he's reactive, but he's also frustrated yeah. at times. And then sometimes he's scared, you know, like then I haven't, yeah. The I labels just around use that's one really word, hard. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't, certainly I wouldn't take on a dangerous dog that is going to bite someone because they're just, pissed off and they want to bite or whatever that reason is, if they're doing it because they're triggered or they're frustrated and it's coming from a place of anxiety and fear, that's where I can look and provide some tips because I've been through that. And most of my stories are about where I went wrong. Actually, well, it's good. I like that. <laughs> totally so- wrong, and people go, "Oh my goodness, thank goodness!" I'm like, "No, seriously, I did it really badly. I did all this. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to suggest you don't do." Yeah. Well, I think you know that's like most of the the dog trainer fairy tales. Like I always say, most dog trainers. Certainly, this is how I came to be one. 
is that you've got a problem dog and you're not happy with the help that is available to you because you're not in the network. You, mm. you called a person and mm. they weren't able to help. And so then you're like, well, fuck, I have to fix this. I'm yes. not giving up on this dog. I have yes. to start exploring this. And then that's the like, oh, I maybe am causing this issue. <laughs> I, still, I, I still wonder every day. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's like the thing I you do. learn. You I don't do. know what you don't know. No. But I think it's interesting, like my journey into dog training, it always is interesting when we talk about dealing with aggression because I sometimes deal with extreme aggression cases and I make dogs aggressive in some instances, like, you know, for work and I turn it off, on and yes. off. But when I was starting out, it, it kind of amazes me that this – I get it because I'm a pretty forward person and I don't mind talking to people and I don't mind asking. I don't mind hearing no. If someone says no to me, I'm like, oh, well, like yeah. at least I asked. But when I was starting out in dogs, if I hit a problem that I was like, oh, I'm out of my league, I would just call someone I knew who yes. was in within theirs and say, hey, I need to refer this person to you, but can I come? Because yes. like it's your money, it's your client now, but can I come along and stand quietly in the background? Like that's how you learn. Right? I think like that's the, more than reasonable. Yeah, yes. That's exactly. And I've yeah. had, and I've done that for numerous people. I've had plenty of people refer, like I'm the next step after them. And I'm like, for me, I just assume they're coming. I'm yes. like, surely you're coming with me. It's your client. We're going to interact with my skill set. I'm getting the paycheck today. Yes. But you're surely coming Absolutely. because, like, the ref- that's the price of the referral is now yeah. you're coming along for it. And then, like, you that's do a commission. few of those. Yeah, you do a few of those. And then when you. I now. Well, <laughs> but then you do a few of those and you see, like, oh, I could have handled this. Like, you see, oh, well, now that's in yes. my Rolodex. I've done three or four of them. Like, yes. I had a consult just recently. And on paper, it was a very scary situation. And so it was referral. Like they had gotten in touch with another trainer and the trainer had said, oh, this is probably beyond something I can deal with and referred them to me. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, this is nothing, right? Like this is <laughs> like on, this reads badly, big, powerful dog, yeah. bark, lunge, growl, all this kind of stuff. And then when I said to the people, oh, this is fine. All we have to do is some training. And they're like, oh, well, what kind of training? I'm like, anything you want, literally anything. Yeah. The dog's just bored out of its mind yeah. and it's pushing buttons. You live on a corner block. Of course, it's barking yes. at people and chasing yes. them around because there's nothing Lift else to do. Lift them out the front. Yeah. 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 Like, so just a really simple fix yeah. that any trainer who actually was there would have solved, but because it read so yes. scarily, right? Yeah. Like a red, yeah. like big, scary dog chasing people down the street. And it's like, oh no, you just have to just like play tug with this dog 10 minutes a day. Like yeah. that'll, that'll disappear, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's funny when people come to me, like there's certain things if I do have time to see that and they – and it's the amount of times that they're coming for something completely different or my dog's toileting or whatever. And then you get there and you're kind of like, oh, wow, you're taking it to the dog. Like, and you just break it all down. It's like, this is all going on. And yeah, there's no boundary setting here. Yeah. Your dog is bored. You're letting it stand at the front gate barking at everyone going past all the time. No wonder you got a barking problem with your dog because it's rehearsing the behavior all yeah. the time. And then sometimes, you know, I've gone to places where dogs are, you know, it's peeing inside all the time. And I've literally asked the questions before I go around, you know, has it got access to outside? Yeah, yeah, I've got there and like the laundry door is shut and the dog can't get out. I'm kind of like, just open the door yeah. and put something there so that it's open all the time. Yeah. And it's the middle of winter and would you want to go out in the middle of the night? Probably not. So maybe take them to the toilet before bed and and then, oh, it's peeing on this one rug. Let's shut these doors. You know, yeah, like, it's embarrassing, <laughs> you know, shut the doors and then they come back like, yeah. and they're like wow, it's solved. It's like. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really do anything. I just looked and just saw where the problems were physically but, half the time. But an exciting TV show that does not make. <laughs> no, right? like, like, no. So we have to do it. Yeah, exactly. You have to create a bit of drama around that. So yeah, my show is a bit. It's just breaking down little topics. Yeah, that's awesome. This, that's this is what could be happening. Look for this. You know, why is my dog toileting? Could be anxiety. Could be that it's just literally 
hasn't got access to outside. Yeah. Could be that another dog's peed there before, you know, you've yeah. cleaned But up. you know what? <laughs> You're speaking to the millions of people who won't listen to this because <laughs> this will be too highbrow for them. No, exactly. Because this is dog trainers listening that's, to this. That's dog trainers, yeah. But for the average person, they're just lost in the wilderness no, from time to time. No, they have no idea exactly that it's that simple sometimes. Yeah, it is so right. simple and you feel a bit bad that but, it's that simple. <laughs> but what makes a good TV show is then like, oh, you got an aggressive dog, I better come around the bite suit. You know what I mean? I better just open the door unannounced and walk in and let that dog come charging at me and nip at me and then I, oh, now we've got like, you know, like that's entertaining and for us as actual dog people, you're watching that going like, holy fuck. I know, I know. That's not what you do. That's bad. You're setting that dog up to fail. Stop it. I know. But for the average person watching it, they're like, wow, the guy's going to do it, right? Like how exciting this is. And then uh, we've got to demo the problem. That's the other thing I think as well. Like I'm always against the before and after videos because I'm yes. like, you should be fixing that the second you get there it as a dog trainer. It is a little trainer. bit tough. Yeah, I've, but you've got to get the footage, right, for I've a show, right? I've done it a couple of times. I like, we, did, we did a segment on resource guarding. Yeah. Well, so I so had t- to kind of show Vindy like, resource guarding, didn't I? And I've kind of – because he – so, again, this is the, the rescue that he has got anxiety. Just, I've taken him because as I went up the food chain. So mm-hmm. I ended up to Jackie Lay, who those listening in Australia, you know, vet behaviourist, and I was like, I'm a failure, I'm terrible, I've tried all the behaviour modification, what am I doing wrong? And she's like, well, yeah, he's going to have to go on floxetine. I was like, I thought he might. It was just funny going to her and then knowing that I really shouldn't, know, everything's going to be calm and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to have to get but, him resource guarding something and I don't want to, but I'm going to have to. To demo it, yeah. Yes, I did. So how did you do, how did you do that? Like- <laughs> well, I just, I can come and take it. So uh, long-lasting, very high, uh, long-lasting chews. So I know... Well, I you know kind of suppose is. his background a little bit. So, yeah, long-lasting trick because he won't even eat them. Like he, my mm-hmm. little dog Darcy will, has stolen them a couple of times off him. So now he'll get like a kangaroo chew or, a, you know, a, a bully stick or whatever and he will just for day. I have to take it away because mm-hmm. I know that it's causing him that much mm. stress. He wants it and then I'm kind of like, yeah, right, it's mate, trapped. here you go. Here's something else. Let's get it away. You can't have that. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, I gave him one of those and we had another little poodle staying. So I have to manage and make sure I'm not going to get anyone hurt either. Mm-hmm. But I knew like as soon as she walked into the bedroom from the licking of the lips, the hunching over, because and he'd already buried it under the covers. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of let that played out. That's and- interesting, like how dogs <laughs> can get trapped like that, hey, mm. where they're like, oh, I'm stuck with this thing. Oh, you can see the conflict. Yeah. You can just see the conflict in his head and he wants to eat it. Yeah, actually did eat one the other day because I tried it again. I just really encouraged him and he started eating it. I was mm-hmm. like, yes, good boy. And then I can also see when he hasn't and when it's hot because he's a terrible, you know, kind of like looking, you can't see my eyes, but, you know, have you eaten your chew stick? And he's looking, (laughs) (laughs) oh, okay, I know where it is then, don't I? You know, and he buries it and then as soon as Darcy comes in. So I do try every now and then and then I'm like, no, we we can't do this. Or I can see something's going on because I can just see Darcy and the bit of the eyeballing. I'm like, oh, what's going down here? Who's got what and hasn't? So then, yeah, let's get it away. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, we have to set it up sometimes. But I try not to... Even with the reactivity and the um, when we were doing, you know, I've been doing look at me, you know, and look at that and some of that stuff. Well, I've kind of got to show him reacting, which is the last thing I want to do. But I live in a, a suburbia. As much as I try and avoid the triggers and we do mm-hmm. do desensitize, sometimes, you know, I walk around a corner and there's two big German shepherds almost upon us. He's going to react. Mm-hmm. So we have caught it a bit and then I'm torn between, do I show him reacting? This makes me look like a really bad dog trainer and owner, but he actually has 
reacted and I know I've failed and it's just rehearsed. You know, it's just, it's a, yeah, a daily thing. But we do have to show it. Narelle and I did this quite some time ago. We filmed some footage of Ladybug and Opie, who's our two French bulldogs. And I'm being told I've got to explain in yeah. careful detail who my <laughs> dogs are so people who are in the audience know what we, I'm talking yes. about. I got feedback. That uh, we, yes, we just we refer forget to exactly, the dogs yeah. and yeah. assume that people know what we're yes. talking about. Prior to Christmas, I went round, like I literally started in Townsville and flew all the way down to back to Sydney and did all of the resorts on teaching the staff because every year we provide job opportunities for a lot of new young staff at Christmas time. Some of our old staff, they go on to be vet nurses or into the career in different fields or it's a stepping stone job. And then we bring in a whole range of new younger people that come in. Some of them have never paired dogs before. It's not a job for them. It's a job for the supervisors and the senior crew. But I like to, we, I should say, we like to provide training for them so they see what we call the body and the face. So we show them what the certain structural postures of the body look like and how the face can manifest and change depending on certain stimuli that's presented to them. So we'd like to show them what that actually looks like. There's a video that Narelle and I allowed to play out, the same as what you're talking about, where Ladybug is a horrendous glutton for food and she will kill anybody that gets it. Not not people, but dogs. She'll just go berserk about it and you can't train it out of her. What you'd have to do to her would be inhumane to actually try and do it. So we realised the best thing to do there is keep the dogs distance from each other. We put a baby gate between them. We do these practices in the kennels before because there's dogs in there that we can't fix these problems for them because of the short amount of time they're in there and they're not there for training, they're there for boarding. So what we do is we separate them while they're feeding and their pet nannies or the pet carers, whatever you want to call them, they stay in there, we create borders, we have rooms where we shut them out, one dog will eat its meal in there and one dog will eat its meal in there. It's the problem. You have to manage it. It's the That's management it around it. It yep. solves all the yep. it solves all the world's problems in one shot. Yep. We showed a picture of them playing um, and rolling around the floor and sparring with each other and nipping each other, and it went on for ten minutes or so. And I said, "That's usually them. Yes. On any given day, they would play like that for hours and hours and hours until you bring in a high value resource mm. such as a bowl of food. So we had a bowl of food sitting there." They both ran in. It was his food, not hers. She'd already eaten, but she was trying to kill him over it. So Narelle restrained him. Yes. And, um, you know, while he's sitting there in terror trying to eat his food, she's still trying to kill him on the other end. Most of the staff let that slide through. Nobody said anything about it. They thought, oh, it's Glenn. It's in hand. But one of the staff said, did you really let that happen? Did you really film that to mm. let that play out? And I said, good observation. Yeah. Yes, I did. And I said, this is for your benefit, certainly no. not for mine and definitely not for the dogs. No. And I said because that's a backward step in the progress that we were taking yes. to show what actually happens here. But I said, interestingly enough, if you look at this situation, what do you read from it? From the misfortune of this video. And I said because it is a shit yeah. show. Everything that you could do wrong went wrong in that. Yeah, that, that. absolutely. But, and I said the two dogs never got to each other. There was never a like a punch on that took place. For Opie, it was a very unpleasant experience and a stressful one for Ladybug because she's pissed off about the situation. So when they looked at it, I said, now that you've seen this play out, what do you see? And they said, well, Narelle's restraining one dog. And I said, well, who wants to fight and who doesn't? Because one dog is free to do as he chooses and one dog is restrained. It tells a story about who's in control of this situation and who wants to fight and who does not. Yes. 
for them, that satisfied the question of the person who was answering it. And I thought, look, that's a fair question to answer. And I appreciate that you did ask me that question because you're right. That was the magic of television that I wanted to sort of show yes. or the magic of this presentation, not television. But I wanted you to see what is going to happen if you don't do this well in the kennels and how it can go really badly if you've got some medium or large, stronger type mm. of dogs and you're in a situation where you don't set this up correctly and what could happen and you are the person in the middle between two colliding forces that are going to go for each other. Yeah. From that, that actually answered a lot of questions and actually generated a lot of appreciation as it would on your TV show because there's a lot of people out there who don't actually get to see that in real life. And if they don't get to see it in real life and what it looks like, what the dog's face the looks body like, language, the, the, the postures. Signs. Yeah. yeah. That was what I was trying to sh- exactly, I was explaining right? Vindy and then what was going to happen, like then the licking of the lips and then the bearer. Like he did the whole chain. Mm. And how else are we going to show people? It is that catch-22. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, and or letting them rehearse, you know. Creating education. Barking, is, is territorial it? barking. I've had to like I've let them bark at the neighbour. I'm like, just film it, film it. I'm going to look like such a bad thing. And then I'll be like, Vindy, look, yes, come, good boy. And then I'm like, and that's how you stop it. But, you know, <laughs> but in an ideal world I wouldn't Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't it. allow him to do that in the first place. But you have to. It's like that's why zoos exist. Yeah, totally. And, and like mm. I get it. I think that as trainers that's very often the case with our own dogs is that they have to eat the shit sandwich quite a bit, yeah. right? Like my own dog gets used. Like a different example, but my dog who's like my competition sport dog who prior to being so injured and I probably won't compete with him again, he I rely on him to prove my how good I am on at training. But his bite work is shit because <laughs> he mostly bites people that don't know what they're doing because I use him to teach decoys. You know yeah. what I mean? So like he has been jammed so many times that he body checks people and he goes in on weird angles and stuff like that because most of his experiences in the bite work are bad because yeah, right. he gets used to teach other people how to catch dogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's kind of the the unfortunate shit sandwich that a lot of dog trainers, dogs have to eat, you know. And um, they so don't set your dog up to fail. It's well, like, I think oh. we're creating education, yeah. you know, like and that's there's like I think that when you start doing it with other people's dogs and especially when you've been paid to fix the issue with the yes, dog, yeah, that's when that people are filming it for social media <laughs> and showing like, look how bad the dog is. And it's like, you're, you're making yeah, it look yeah, that yeah, bad. Yeah. You yeah. could, you could make it look better if you wanted to, right? Yes. Like you're creating this as a show for marketing is very different to education. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And it is, it's a catch 20. And look, I don't do it very often. And, and I generally have done it when I, it's going to happen anyway. And then I'll keep it at a certain, I mean, I could let it go. I could have let it go a whole lot worse with a little Miss Pippa mm-hmm. coming in there. But even then, I don't know what would have happened. So, no, it's just an I knew it would be enough for her to walk into the bedroom while he had that high-value resource and he was on the bed. And I knew I was going to see every single from beginning to end. He didn't even snap. He he just jumped over sure, it. I'm sure. jumping. I'm, I forget we're doing radio things. But, yeah, so <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't allow him to have a go at her, but I, I allowed it to go far enough yeah, that sure. I knew that people would be able to see the change. And the warning signs, the most subtle warning signs. I mean, Vindy's great for showing the real subtle warning signs. So I'm like, did you, cap- did you capture that little snarl of the lip there? Did you capture the yeah, the mm-hmm. licking of the lips and the yawning? Yeah, um, and now you've got that footage and you yeah, use it to we use it over and over people, again, yeah. yes. <laughs> Another question I've got about the show, so you're the producer as well as presenter and everything, right? Like, yeah. Like it's your package, you yes. put it together. Yes. 
when you have an idea, okay, this is what I want to show. You've talked about using your own dogs quite a bit, but how do you source? I have it in my mind. Yeah. I want to demonstrate how to fix this issue. Yeah. Or do you wait until a dog falls into your lap and you go, oh, okay, well, we're going to do this <laughs> instead, right? No, like, I generally do a call out. Um, yeah. So how do you do that? Yeah. So on Facebook, a lot okay. of where I live, the Bayside, there's a dog community group. So I'm always doing a shout out there. I need puppies. I need an old dog. And we did some breed profiles. So who's got this? And you just that? do that as yourself, like your own profile within the local dog community yes. groups. You don't go like as the show say, no. so people kind of, they would know you, but like they, there's yeah. no expectation. Like there's no one trying to get famous, right? Like they're not trying no. to like, I want to be on they TV. Want, no, they want their dog on there. Everyone right. wants their dogs on there. I was kind of like, gosh, this is like, like, wow, amazing. People really are happy to come around and bring their dogs and do stuff. They really yeah. do want their dogs on TV. Yeah. So that's been great because a lot do, particularly, yeah. you know, in the world of Instagram and everything as well. Mm-hmm. So we use a lot of the Instagram dogs as well out there. Um, when I had Trish, one of the trainers from NDTF, she came along. So in the early days, I always had Trish there as well doing the training segments with me and I was mm-hmm. asking her a lot of questions and then it's kind of got to the point that it sounded a bit dicky that I was asking her a question that I knew the answer to. Sure, sure. <laughs> but in the early days when I was still learning myself and, again, I guess Trish was a mentor, in my mm-hmm. mentor in a way, so we would just do a call out because I was doing dog minding and all of that as well. I knew a lot of dogs with issues. So, mm-hmm. you know, we did early resource guarding and, and stuff then as well with some really nasty two little sisters and stuff. So, yeah, I kind of would put the feelers out and people's dogs that I knew had issues, clients, dogs who's got issues. I'm like, hey, can we borrow your dog? Puppies, all sorts. Yeah, so mm. do a shout out. I remember we were doing a ad for one of my colleagues' uh, pet food companies and Pete Evans was inside. We had this house in Point oh, Python. that's right, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. and um, Pete Evans was down there and I did the same thing. I put the call out and I thought, oh, this is going to be really hard. I had people within <laughs> minutes like literally just because they wanted their dog to go and meet Pete Evans. That yeah. was that was the whole thing. They just wanted to go down there and get their dog on like an ad yes. and meet Pete Evans. And I thought, wow, that was much easier I than I thought. It's that incredible. ad was really funny, wasn't it? It was, it was yeah. yeah. It was like the dogs were eating at a dinner table and they just made this enormous mess. So they took it off what they saw on a YouTube clip where they had dogs' heads with people's, oh, yes. with people's hands and yeah. they were doing like dogs doing the salt bay, which was Rachel Ratcliffe's dog yeah. and – there was Jordan's dog. They did a great job. Like their dogs were so well behaved. Like people were getting up. So staff that were part of the group doing the videos, they would put smocks over the dog and they put their hands up and all the dogs tolerated. None of the dogs freaked out. But, you know, again, you know, I was fielding the right type of people, people yes. that I knew had yeah. control of their dog. The thing that amazed me was how quickly people responded to that call out. Like I had probably about 30 dogs to choose from within about five minutes. And I thought, well, I know Rachel, I'm going to use her dog. I know this person, I'm going to use their dog. I know this person, I'm going to use their cat. And it really, it probably took us four hours to get the total shot done. Even Pete came over and he goes, man, good job with the dogs. I said, oh, look, it's all them. I said, I'm not going to take credit for it. All I did was orchestrated the call out and stood here to funnel people in and out of the house. It's all their training and it's all their own dogs. So I wasn't going to be prudy enough to say it's <laughs> oh, all yes, me. I'm the world's yes, best dog you. trainer. But, yeah. <laughs> but it was lovely because it was so nice that all of the work that they put in, they got to showcase it and come out. And I really appreciate it. I thought that was really wonderful. Yes. Of them. Anyone I meet with their dog, like, oh, if you haven't even my dog for the show, if you haven't even my dog, I'm kind of like, yeah, I have very specific needs generally. So I'm like, I'll let you know if I, if I need that breed. 
read, if I need that issue. It's funny how like <laughs> even I have, like I've always wanted Remy to play a military working dog in a movie. I don't ah. know why. Hey, weren't you going to do a movie? Yeah, movie? I was. Two reasons I didn't. It just logistically was too difficult. That, right. Like that was the main reason. Like all the training, all the dog stuff was I was totally into, but like just the timing and it was a long chunk of time to be away and be yes. like, it would have been a ton of money. It would have been great. It was a great opportunity. And I, I ended up speaking to the guy who did it and it was, you know, it was awesome. Like he had a great time, blah, blah, blah. But it just was logistically yes. too difficult for be me. Committed, yeah. Cause I had other stuff to do at the same time and mm. I had to travel and do all that kind of stuff. But also the other reason is because of the type of movie it was, he was going to be heavily CGI'd. He wasn't going to look like him. Uh, uh, and so I oh, was like, really yeah, so I was like, <laughs> I, I want his pretty face in a movie. Yeah. And I don't know why I want that. I have no good it's, reason. Yeah. I just want it to happen. Yes. Because it's memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. it's some yeah. sort of immortality for it, right? I yeah. think so. You know, and Darcy, my other rescue, the older one, we go to the dog lover show and there was a, a vision impaired lady in front of me. And because Darcy's got his Instagram, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time. I put photos. That's about it. It's all one way, <laughs> pushing out, promoting stuff. Um, but he's got quite the following and, you know, people write in and, and ask how he is and everything like that because he's gone blind in one eye, detached his retina. And I did get one lady email me and say, is Darcy disabled? Because he's so diddle, I always have to hold him so that you can see him. <laughs> but but he, he falls asleep in my arms, right? And he's because he's got his lip gets stuck. He's got one, one eye that looks all khaki. He's just like he's a bit of a mess these days, unfortunately, little Darcy's lost his good looks. But I still think he's beautiful. But he has this such a cult following that there was this lady in front of me and everyone was sort of coming up going, oh, hi, Darcy, hi, Lara, hi, Darcy, hi, Lara. And she sort of turned around she was like, who's Lara and who's Darcy? And I said, Darcy's the dog. She's like, oh, wow, everyone comes up and says hi to him first, don't they? And I was like, yes, they do. That's always the way. It's, you know, in the community, you know all the dog's names. They you all know, know him, yeah. Names. See him on my wall. Yes. I'm pointing to my picture of Harley who oh. people who have been on the show have heard about. He was a Roddy Cross that I – he was the dog who catapulted me into the industry Early in the day, people used to come up to me and they go, aren't you Harley's owner? <laughs> like they didn't even know my name. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to be insulted that. by that. But then I kind of thought, oh, that's actually pretty cool that my dog stands out to them and yeah. they love him. You know, like the dogs that you were talking about. He used to do TV shows all the time. Like we used to have this place called My Owner Farm that my colleague and I had this indoor swim and gym sort of thing. So we built a swimming pool there and we were partners in the business and the guy who ran the farm was always on TV shows. Yes. And he'd come up to me and go, do you want Harley on TV? I'll go, hell yeah. And he'd go, <laughs> okay, it's a comedy show, totally full frontal, go down there, meet him at the gate, they'll let you in. This is what they want with the dog. Can he do it? And I said, yep, he can do it. So I went down there, he could do it. Like yeah. legit, he was a very intelligent dog. You know, I'd go down there, we'd film on there and they'd say, okay, in two weeks' time we've got a skip, we want him to back on the show, can you come down and do it? i go, Hell yeah. <laughs> like I was going to make that happen no matter what. And he was on there, I think he did probably about 15 recordings or something like that yeah, with right. them for different yes. things. I got like a photo album full of it. I had a great time. I got to meet people and, you know, I thought it was the greatest thing. But <laughs> after a while it started to get to the point where you do skits where they'd say, okay, now we want the dog to balance another dog on his head <laughs> while he's riding a skateboard that's going up a skateboard ramp. Can you do it? And you've got 15 minutes to do it. After a period of time I thought, no, this is getting no, ridiculous. No, for us, yeah. yeah. I do have some regulars that I call on if I need some some fancy trick work and the like. <laughs> yeah. More on the production of the show, mm. do you ever find yourself in a position where like as things unfold, so like you've got a plan, this is what I want to teach, right? Yes. This is the segment I want to create yeah. and it just doesn't go that way. 
Do you then like, okay, I'll put that on the shelf and maybe I'll fit that as a segment into something else or do you then like abandon that idea? I'm really interested in the production side of it. Well, I'd look, I'd have to say, so I guess my show is not that show. They're pretty set. So, no, I haven't had to shelve anything really because right. I pretty much know a lot of it is me talking to camera or having the dog rather than demonstrating the thing all at once. Sure. Because then that would get a bit hard and then it just runs on and on and on. Right. So they're quite tight segments. So it's pretty tightly controlled. No, haven't shelved anything really. I'm pretty – well, all else fails. I know what my boys can do. They're in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. We've had dogs that we've had to just not have on there. You know, if I've noticed they've been particularly – particularly with the breed selectors, a lot of people bring their dogs and I'm like, oh, they're pretty anxious. So – yeah, I don't put them through it. Normally I have a few other dogs as well around. There's always dogs at my house. So mm-hmm. there's uh, always some standbys or I run across the road and grab someone's dog if I need to. So there have been a few times where it's been a bit too much for the dogs. So I just won't use them. I'll just swap them out. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Based on the back of that question, how do you find it comparable when you're doing something like your TV show compared to when you're doing a live gig like the Dog Lover Show? Yeah. So obviously I don't take Vindy, the reactive one, because that would be just too much for him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't put him in those situations at all. So it's Darcy, my little disabled one-eyed, funny-lipped little rat-looking thing. So (laughs) normally I describe him, he's gorgeous. I love, well, we'll just put it this way, but I got Vindy, who is the good-looking one. It's like, you know, the good-looking younger brother, but he's got the issues. And then the older one, people have said to me when they look at Vindy, they're like, oh, isn't he beautiful? Oh, never mind. As I look at Darcy, <laughs> as I look at Darcy. now let me tell you, that dog is cute. But he looks—he looks like a meerkat. He likes to beg a lot. Yeah, so right. with the dog, normally I bring Darcy. The last dog lover show, I did have some people. So yes, I call Davina, who's a trainer, and she teaches her dogs tricks. So I'm like, yeah, I want some tricks, Davina. I'm not trusting Darcy, and he's got osteoarthritis and that. So not, don't trust my own. So I get a few backups in. Yeah. So yeah, I know fortunately who to call, what I need. But so Darcy, again, my talks are often educated again, but Darcy always, if it's three days, there'll always be one day where he's trying it on. So we just make fun of it then basically. I know what that day is. He's already being cheeky. Normally if there's speakers and I'm wearing a headset, normally I can only walk so far out before it makes that really loud noise. So on his day where he decides to test me, he knows that. So he'll actually go out to the crowd and he'll take his tennis ball with him because he's tennis ball obsessed Mm -hmm. and want, you know, just a pest, attention-seeking pest, just won't give up. He'll put it down your top so that you actually have to take it out. He's he's <laughs> He has worked out every way to get someone to throw that ball, no matter yeah. how good you are, right? And this is part of the act. So when it's on that bad day, I'm like, right, go, just giving everyone the heads up today that Darcy is in his mood. Yeah. He's going to come into the crowd because he knows I can't walk out to get him and he's going to find one of you that's going to give in. So I changed my whole talk. It's all about how dogs then, yeah. how we need to set bound and how they actually manipulate us and set us up to fail and how they get what they want. Mm. And, you know, everyone's kind of like staunch, like, no, nah, I'm not going to throw it. And you see everyone, no, I'm not throwing it, no. And then all of a sudden I'll see the ball. I'm like, he got you, didn't he? And then I just use it as an example of how dogs get what they want in the end, how we give in. And we always give in. If you've got a dog behaviour problem, it's because somewhere along the way they've gotten what they want. On those days I flip it around to show how what we do wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, every behavioural problem every dog's ever had has been caused by reinforcement. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, yeah, he's a great example of that because he'll beg as well. He just knows as soon as he's people, he's up on his beg and he always gets what he wants no matter how because people are just like, oh, I have to give him that extra treat or I have to throw in the ball or I have to give him his chicken and it's like, 
yeah, he's going to win. It's just been reinforced over and over again. I like that level of vulnerability in trainers or anybody who's actually showcasing that type of expose because that's real. It's the message of the common person. There are, there are literally millions and millions and millions of people who fit that category where they're not interested in the high level sporty or the high level flashy stuff. That's really cool. And it looks great and it's really impressive to it's watch. It's amazing, yeah. It's such a disciplined skill. Yes. You know, like it's such a high level to get there and it's an amazing skill set that trainers put together. But that's not your common person. <laughs> that's not me. You, that's, that's, <laughs> you know, you're talking about hundreds of people versus millions yep. upon millions who won't do it. They still need a champion. They still need to understand that stuff. So some will circulate into the high end sort of yes. stuff and they'll come across, which is great. Because they'll migrate, they'll decide, oh, I actually like this. I've dabbled in it a little bit Mm. and now I like it and I like it more and my relationship is developing with my dog. It's getting better and this is more something that I want to embrace. I'm curious about it myself. Like Mm. I like it and it's a lifestyle I could see myself leading into and I've developed friends and colleagues in the industry now, but it's still a very small percentage of Mm. people. The reason I know this is because I've got between 80 and 300 pets in my backyard And none of these people are professional dog trainers or people who will go on to do shows or agility or anything like that. No. Those other people, I mean, I know Pat and I know a myriad of working dog people. I've been in the working dog world for most of my life. I sit on that precarious balance between the two, the pet dog people and the working dog people. The minority is the working dog people. The vast majority is the pet people. And they're selective who they'll take their information off, which is funnily enough Because you can have a high-level person who can cater for everything, but then they'll seek out and find somebody else because they feel you're not speaking my language. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's at a different threshold than what I understand, and it's not resonating for me. And it's something that I used to see a massive insult. It Mm. It used to upset me so much because I used to think, I feel like I'm putting a lot of effort into this. I feel like I'm throwing a lot of education at you and I can't understand why you turn your back on me and go and see somebody else, but they need to. And I understand that now where I didn't understand that before and I embrace it, that if you're getting your education from wherever you need to get it from and it's working for you and you're seeing fruition from it, then good for you and that's what you need to do. Yeah, a lot of your listeners would probably see me on TV and sometimes I'm kind of like watching something back. I'm like, you can't show that. (laughs) I did that terribly. I do not show that. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I've got another option that's going to have to go. Not perfect. I feel that deep in my soul. (laughs) And look, I say first and foremost in all my talks and everything, I am a dog lover and a dog owner first. And then I'm a dog trainer (laughs) down here. Like, honestly, with my clients and I, you know, there's so much information I want to give people, but I've learned that I have to actually start because it's, they don't want to feel judged. Mm. They don't want to be preached to. So I generally share how I stuffed up Mm -hmm. with Vindy and how I still feel every day. When we go on a walk and we've been in a position that he reacts, I actually feel like crying Mm. because I know that now, you know, we're a step back. Mm. But I can't always anticipate. I can anticipate it, but I've had bad days as well. I'm standing there and I'm watching someone and they're coming to put their hand out to him and I can see it and my mouth doesn't open and Mm. I don't say anything. I mean, I do now mostly, but there will still be some days that I'm just not on, having a bad day myself, Mm. a bit stressed, and I don't open my mouth and say, please don't put your hand out or please give him space or 
he looks like he's going to say hi and so I let them. Mm. So I make those same mistakes myself that I tell people what not to do still. Oh, I've been in that boat. And I tell this to people and they really do feel, that's the first thing I say when I go into a consult and generally when I'm looking at the dog and I'm like, okay, this is anxiety, I can relate to this, I know what's happening. I'm like, do you take your dog to the dog park? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, listen, really it doesn't want to be there and let me tell you why and let me tell you what I did with my boy and why I now have to still spend every day trying to undo what I didn't know or realise when he wasn't my dog, you know, and it was young before it all came out in an aggressive way, you know, and so their face is just like, oh, really, you've done this too? Has this happened to you? I'm like, yeah, and they're like, and is he better now? I'm like, oh, look, I don't, he is better. Is he ever going to be perfect? Probably not. He's He's got a lot of trauma in there. You know, not every dog can get over their trauma. Some mm. can. Some are completely resilient. That too, Same with twins, isn't it? One twin can go off and be a murderer and the other one can go off and be a saint with exactly the same upbringing or being through the same trauma. Same with our dogs. Some just can't get over it and some water off a duck's back. Mm. And then has he come so far? I rely on my neighbours and my friends to go, oh, my God, a year ago, you should see just a different dog. And I'm like, really? Is he? Because for me, day to day, I'm still managing a dog that I can't let get near his triggers. I can't take him to the shops. I can't take him to a coffee. I can't take him to events with me. I have to manage where he stays when I go away. Like up here, he can only go to one dog minder. The neighbours will take him, but they won't have him overnight because they've got Darcy plus another dog. So it's a full-on logistic plan for me to go away. So I am that dog owner that experiences what most people go to dog trainers for. Yeah. Like, I think that's one of the things that's important for people to hear, especially if it's mm. happening on your show as well, because yes. like, I can't take my dog places. Yeah. Like, I, like <laughs> one of my dogs I can, yeah. like Valerie can go anywhere, no problem. But like Remy, my Malinois, I could take him anywhere, but he's under constant management the whole time. Yeah, like I have, to, I have to tell him how to be yeah. or else he's like, oh, you haven't given me any good advice. I'm yeah. going to just run around in circles. I'm going to bounce off the wall. <laughs> you know, like that's because that's the kind of dog that he yeah. is. That's just reality of that type of dog. And you get people say, oh, you should be able to do that. And it's like, well, <laughs> when your dog can do the things Mike yeah. can do, when you can hit the field and still take your dog to all the places that you're talking about, like then we can have yeah. that conversation, right? Yeah, but they like, come over and train in a lovely. <laughs> yeah, but like that's never been – it's not what he was raised to do. Yes. Like it was specifically raised to do a particular thing. He's fine in my house, but everywhere else I expect work from him because I want him to be able to work. And so I've never taught him those behaviours. And yes. there's this expectation, well, you're a dog trainer. It's oh. like, but no, because I'm a dog trainer, I understand the limitations of training. Yeah. I, I understand the limitations of what I can do. I understand the role of genetics. And I understand the aversiveness of trying to smash a square peg through a round yeah. hole. And so like I accept my dog for who he is. Yeah. I enjoy the fuck out of the things that he gives me and I don't put him in positions to make me feel like shit or resent yeah. him at other times because yes. I know he's a lunatic. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like I'm not going to put a lunatic in a position to do lunatic things unless I'm in control of that, yeah. that, that situation. I love that as a message and I think yes. the important takeaway from that is when you're in a position of authority or education, you should never placate a lie and yes. tell people that something is capable of being done when the truth is it's not. Yeah. And as you said before, Lara, there are certain dogs that just can't get over what they're yeah. going through, and it's the same with people. They can't. I'm not a big fan of heavily pushing medications, but I see the need for yes. them, and I would never deny a person or a dog the need for something like a SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I have to say that because 
People need to know what it means. Those sort of things I, I would never I say. I love the way you think that saying those words <laughs> is going makes to help. people understand. It's going to help. What well, I just as well as uh-huh. Okay, that makes it so much simpler to understand, Glenn. It's medication to prevent anxiety. Uh, antidepressants, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Medication to prevent anxiety and depressive behaviours. So with those, you know, in those sort of fields, there are dogs that I know that I've said to people where I wouldn't have in the past yes. just through pure ignorance and yes. arrogance. Yes. I would, I would have said, oh, I can train that out of the dog. Mm-hmm. Now I go and look at him and I go, there's no way I'm going to train this yeah. out of the dog. There's that's nothing. That's who is. Yeah. yeah. There's, that's right. That's who, yeah. who, who, the, who the dog is. That's the personality yes. of the dog. It's set, unfortunately. I would say that there's been some critical period issues there. Yes. There's nothing that I can do. You need to go and see a veterinary behaviourist. Yes. You need to consider medication. That is the best advice and you are literally the best person that even though they might not be ready to receive that and yeah. even though they might momentarily reject that, yes. you were literally the best person that came into their life right then. I have done a full 360 on medication again. You, so you come out and even into TF, you know, it was part of the tool and it, I feel that it was talked about and it wasn't. So I came away like, oh, no, you've got to work on the behaviour modification. Even though we were told that first you need the dog needs to be able to, you know, because a stressed and anxious dog can't learn. We know that. But I was like... Yeah, no, behaviour modification first. Do this, you know. So your dog's bored or it's anxious. You give enrichment toys, you know, do the whole enrichment program, blah, blah, blah. Only when I got Vindy and then I took him to Jackie Lay, you know, because I was trying to do all of that without the medication. He has major critical period development issues. That's where it all 100% stems from. Mm. And probably genetic as well, you know. Well, yeah, definitely genetic as well. Like he's got a whole lot going on. And it was only when I she explained it to me. I knew the behaviour modification process. She didn't have to spend any of the consult time on that with me. We literally just talked about anxiety disorder. Mm. And I was like, explain to me every single medication out there, how it works, what the role is, how it mixes together and everything. So I even did a segment on medication last series as well. And I know a lot of people are versed and I'll go, just hear me out. You know, I mean, Darcy's got CBD all for his pain more than everything, but I'm trying everything. I've tried all the natural stuff with Vindy and the fluoxetine. I mean, did it change the world? And then I say to people, it's not going to, it's not going to solve your problem either. Mm. You can't just go to the vet and say, give me something to fix my dog's anxiety. It doesn't work like that. It's a reductionist. It doesn't work like that at all. Mm. You still have to do the whole behavior, but has it, just taking the edge off him, I guess. Uh, yeah, and if there's true anxiety disorder, it's there. He's got to have catapress as well, but I don't give it to him because it makes him sick. So we don't need that. I don't think we need that anyway because that's where I can do the behaviour modification. So. Mm. I'll tell you a funny story. I had a client that I worked really closely with. It was an assistance dog, so I was very involved in their lives. And they started this brand called Fur Baby Aromatherapy. And it oh, was yes. aromatherapy for dogs. I've got some of that at home. They sent me some. Yeah, right. So Karen said to me, you know, I'm doing this. And I was like, here's my feels on essential oils, right? Yeah. For the people who think it's going to work on, it's going to work on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, a lot of psychosomatic, yeah. But I was like, you know, my audience, the people I deal with are dealing with like real issues. Yeah. So like would essential oils potentially help in some situations? Like if it could bring a dog that's at a three down to a two, yes. if it can change a couple of things, like Mild for sure. Anxiety. <laughs> but the people I deal with are dealing with like real behavioral yeah. problems. So it's not going to help. So I was like, I'm happy to talk about as much as you want, but I don't have a network that I can help you push that through mm. because it's not going to help for the things that people that I deal with and people I talk to deal with. Mm. But she gave me some and I sprayed it in my house and my dog 
fucking yeah. loves it, is mental for it. Whenever I spray it, yeah. whatever I spray it on, he dives onto the floor <laughs> and oh. rubs himself all over it. It's his favourite smell. Oh, wow. Loves it. Loses his don't. mind over it. He is crazy for it. And I was like. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. I like, yeah, no, my boys are, but I still do it. I still spray. Oh, I like the it lavender too. Because, yeah, it smells yeah. nice, huh? Well, the, <laughs> lavender, the lavender works a treat. Like yeah. Pure lavender oil has a reductionist effect on dog behaviour, especially in kennels, yes. and it can actually improve their sleep. We've tried things like that in the past where we've sprayed lavender oil in and played through a dog's ear, which is the classical music. Yes. And, and people poo-pooed at the start. They said, that's actually bullshit. And I said, well, I'm sleeping through the night. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, well, exactly. so that's the thing. Yeah. So, like, I think that all of the aromatherapy type stuff for an acute problem is not going to even no. touch the sides. It's but, We're not talking about acute. No, no. that's right. Yeah. Like, for just sort of general health yeah. and well-being. Yeah. And then I think that's the role of the meds. Like, and, and, and as a trainer, I've only ever said to, like, I think I can count them on one hand, people I've gone and, like, said, I'm out of ideas here. Yes. Like I've yeah. I've run every play that I know. The dog is not responding to the things that I think it should. I've in every instance I've either brought someone else in as well to yeah. confirm it with me or sent them video of what I'm doing and yes. said like what am I missing here? And the meds have helped in every instance in that yes. regard. And the dogs are never like, oh, they have the meds and now they're 100%, but it improves quality of life in those instances. But all that said, like I think we can all agree there's way too many dogs on it. You know, like, yes. I mean, like as it does in many instances, fix. it is the, the easy handout yeah. when those dogs need for baby aromatherapy oh, and yeah. training, yes. right? Like they need their actual problem solved for them. Yes. And then like they can bring down their arousal levels. Yeah. And the whole tool, like all of it, use your aromatherapy, do your training, like this is the big problem. This is what I say to people as well. If they're just, you know, they're just, you hear a lot of people complain about the trainers. That's, you know, they come to me afterwards and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, I had a trainer in. And as soon as I hear that, I'm like, oh, I'm like, so are you doing what they told you? Yeah. Like, are, you? Yeah. are you? Oh, no. I'm like, well, there's no point getting me in because. Yeah. I'm only going to tell you the same things. Yeah. There's a good mug that's on social media that says, if at first you don't succeed, try doing what your trainer told you to do. Yes. You it's know, so true. Going back to the origins of the NDTF and their advice, I can't speak for everybody, but from the people that I collaborate with and I know, because it's a tapas dish, it's a, a lot of information about a lot of things, yes. nothing specific, yeah. you know, and it's not supposed to be. It's a Cert 3 yes. in professional dog training and behaviour. It's not supposed to answer all the world's questions. No. All it is supposed to do is give you some education and peak interest for you to go out there and say, I know some things about dog training now. I do actually have a certification, but I should expand on that. Yes. Like everybody should do who's doing any course or any education. Absolutely. I'd want to make sure my accountant's doing that every year and he's up to date on tax codes and so forth. Getting back to the point, when I'm talking to people about this, my advice to them is assess first above and beyond anything. Anything yes. you do before you give out any advice is assess the situation. Are you capable of going further or is this out of your league? Yes. And that's the very best advice I can give to any trainer or behaviorist out there mm. is don't immediately leap into just going, this will solve your problem. What you need to do is say, yeah, I know something about that and I believe that I can help you or that's something that I've never seen before and I'm not comfortable dealing yes. with that. That is way out of my wheelhouse and you really need to see a specialist. If you do that, if you do it along those lines, then you're championing the person that you're actually working with. And honestly, for people out there who are listening to this, those people will never forget you. Like yes. you're the first person who 
gave them an ounce of hope and led them to the right direction and actually networked them into a field where people can actually help them rather than just pretending. I used to pretend I knew the answer to it because my ego would never let me send the dog to anybody else. And then when I was a young guy, I was a bit stupid with things like that. I was just too proud to let it go. I thought I could answer all the problems. Now I realise I can collaborate with an amazing network of Mm. industry professionals that I can go through my phone and think, this is the right person for this job. I'm going to refer it on to them. And why not? Why wouldn't you do that? I spent most of my time referring, I reckon. Great. When I first Perfect. came out of NDTF, I was like, no way am I ready to take on any clients. You're going to be kidding me. Like, as you say, you had the knowledge. I mean, fortunately through the show, seven years, I get to speak with all the experts, yeah. holistic vets, vet behaviourists, trainer, you know, I'm my mentor. I call up if I'm not problem. I just do a segment sometimes because – I want to know the answer myself. So who can I go see yeah. who's going that's to talk perf- to me about it? So yeah, it's the education and the knowledge. But I did spend and I still mostly do refer on because one, I don't have the time to do the follow-up that's required as well. That's the hardest thing with that yeah. kind of stuff. Cause mm. like that that's what I find as well. Like I travel a lot and if you can't commit to someone, you can't be their no, trainer. Like exactly. especially with an ongoing problem. Like when it's something like, hey, I need my dog to sit faster or he runs across the road. Like, yeah, no worries. Like yes. we, we can do that in a couple of sessions. It's fine. Yeah. But when it's like, no, this is, you need someone that is going to answer the phone when you call at 9 p.m. at night, yes. right? Like I, I can't be that for you right now. Yeah. You've got to find someone else. Exactly. I'll often get like the website's got a lot of articles and everything too. So I'll often, they'll say what the problem is. I just read all of these articles and watch all of these videos and if you still need a trainer, give me a call and I'll see if I can find someone in your area if I haven't got mm-hmm. time. Or maybe I can take it on if they're local and they've read all that and they get it all and they just want a hand. Okay, well, can you show me on the street what happens, what I should do if my dog is going to react? Sure, I'll show you how to cross the road. <laughs> That's interesting <laughs> to me. really quickly. <laughs> Business-wise, in you then through the show get so much opportunity for work. Have you considered expanding to have a network of trainers that then you could be a business then in that regard? of like yeah. actually doing in-home behaviour mode, but you're yes. doing the show yeah. and the show acts as a marketing funnel for that. Is there, has that ever crossed your mind no, to do that? No, I guess for me, no. I know that there is a model that I should, you know, earn income while I sleep. I haven't quite, I'm not very good at that. Mm-hmm. I still do everything myself, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm not very it. good at delegating. No, I'm just still doing day-to-day and I'm happy just to pass them on yeah. to whoever. Well, I just don't have the brain space to to think about that and run that. I did you know, even with the dog minding and walking and stuff in the early days was like, oh, maybe I could create pictures that play franchise and all of that. Then I was like, oh, the legal issues and mm-hmm. the franchise. Franchising not is my, hard yeah. in jail. And, you know, and it's like it's not my bag. It yeah. really is sticking my own lane. It's a hard working lane but I like it and I, it's just what I'm going to do. The legals around franchising in Australia is hard work. Yes. I don't think too many people realise that. And in the dog space as well, like the dog walk and the only insurer and, oh, gosh, yeah. you know, and if they've, then they've got the pictures at play name and the, you know, in my early days I've had a dog jump out the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just having visions of that happening with the big pooch that was before, you know, but yeah, pictures yeah. at play, like, yeah, that would be a really good look, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Humor with one last question about, like, the behinds of the scenes of the show. Yes. Do you do the editing yourself? Well, what happens now, we're a pretty slick machine out. So I don't touch the camera. So I definitely don't do the camera. I don't like to do any editing because I can't be bothered. What I do do is now I've got the crew in Sydney here. They know me inside out. So I basically write a script, which is an outline of how I want it to run. And pretty much our filming now is like boom, 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 boom. So they've got got the story there. 
So Al, my editor, will, who's often the uh, cameraman as well, he'll edit it together and then I'm like, yeah, this time code, delete this, put this in, do that mm-hmm. shot. And I can remember from seven years ago when we got a shot of, you know, a dog doing this and he's like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know, but I know. Just go to the other thing, go to this date, pull out that, and the dog was eating an ice cream, but a bad example, but, you know, yeah, and yeah. drop that in here. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, so you keep all it. the footage. You must have a lot they of do. data. They do. So we don't use a lot. That We like to try and film now as much as we can just so that I have to go through all the hard drives. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot there. Yes. Yeah, I bet. In the early days I didn't speak up enough either. I'm like, film that. And they're like, why? We don't need it. And now I'm like, film it. And they're yeah, like, yes, Lara. Everything. I'm like, film it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah I've film it from of, two angles. Yeah, I am. I'm a bit more bossy now. They're like, oh, you used to be. And I'm like, yep, no, I know what I want now. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> Do well, it. that's the evolution, right? Of <laughs> it your is. Show. Speaking of pooches at play, you've got a new show coming up. I do. A new baby animal, SOS Australia. So that's starting on Sunday on 7-2. So that's very different. That's observational documentary. So I just kind of bookend it at the start and do the narration. So basically we set out at a veterinary hospital, Southern Animal Health, so all set in Melbourne, the uh, Australian Animal Protection Society and also Animal Aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to say it's um, the Ameri- – oh, the Americans will know this, yeah. So I like to say that it's Doghouse, which they have over there as well, I do believe. So that's the rescue show that we also have here, Meets Bondi Vet. And, in fact, they've got that over there as well. So you've got your observational sort of like in the vet hospital, surgery and the like, and then there's some beautiful rescue stories. So every rescue story actually does have a medical angle to it as well. And, yeah, we bring it all together. Oh, so you're filming and narrating that, are you? So, yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's come together lovely. Yeah, we've got guinea pigs in there as well, rabbits, lambs, horses, donkeys. A whole lot. Yeah, a whole lot. Yeah, that was kind of a bit of a passion project, so hopefully it takes off and does well. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, it's just a nice feel-good Found, though there is a bit of blood and I said we need to have a warning because you do see some bits. I'm like, oh, that's a memory tumour coming out. Do we have to see the blood? Yeah, I guess we do. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's a that's bit. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we see some puppies being born Some, and I can tell you. It, <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, I've been involved. I haven't in had that. children, so yeah, it was, <laughs> oh, I was a bit like, "Whoa, that looks like a big." Tur-. And because it was a wolfhound, I was like, "That looks like a big turd coming out." <laughs> and then they had the placenta. I'm like, "Oh, gross!" Did you watch like, mum eat it? Oh no! But anyway, we've left it in there. But we do give a warning, Doctor Nico. He was just kind of like, "If you haven't had a child or you're eating dinner, look away now." So yeah. I was like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> If people are actually going to get involved in breeding, which I did, the only information I had was a book that I bought because there was no YouTube when I started breeding dogs. There was nothing like that around. Well, I'd seen lambs being born and calves being born because I used to go to my uncle's farm, but never with a dog. And it was nerve wracking as hell. The great thing is I had a vet on hand, Dr. Murray Clark, who was my vet back then. And he said, if there's anything that goes wrong, I will come around, call me, I'll get up and come around. He was a good old country vet. Yes. Great guy. I had to do all the injections myself, like the oxytocin injections to bring on the contractions. And then I had to give like a liquid calcium that you give the dog. It's in a big horse syringe that it's daunting to give it at the start. The good thing about it was Murray showed me how to do these on other dogs. He had dogs in in the surgery and he said, come around, I'll show you how to do it. It's pretty simple. And he said, I'll get you to do it so you feel what it's feel like. And then you have to sort of punch it through the dog's skin. And the first time you do it, it's like, it's terrible. Yeah. But after a period of time, you just go bang and it's yeah. in and you, the dog doesn't even know it's done because you're feeding it while it's happening. So it's not an aversive yes. experience. So it was actually really educational, but nobody showed me, <laughs> you, you know, I couldn't see it on TV. I didn't see it in a, mm. in a program. So I think 
some people will be squeamish about that. Some people will question the validity of it. But I yeah. think if you use it as an educational portal and people get to see it and, you know, the future people who are involved in breeding and yes. rearing dogs, how wonderful is that, that they actually get to see the experience live on a TV program? Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think I'll get over the placenta, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to go train dogs, but Lara, yes, do. this has been really fun. Oh, it has. thank you. Thanks for having me. No, thanks, thanks for coming for, on. Appreciate that uh, you're up here today. It was just by good chance that we yeah. happened to all collide at the one time. Yeah, fantastic. So give us the plug everything. Give, yeah. give us the wrap up. Okay. How do they find you? All right. So poochesatplay.com is the website. So no matter where they're based in the world, they can go there and past series are all on there. So, and uh, animalsosaustralia.com. So I'm not sure when the show will be on there uh, here in Australia, 7-2 this Sunday and Channel 10, June 24 is the Series 8 of Pooches at Play. Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks so much for Thanks doing for it. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. All right. That's it for another episode of Canon Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe, do all that through the subscription service you download us from, then go to another one that you just don't do it and do it there as well. <laughs> Spread the word. You've dropped um, the whole ear pods in the ear hole. Yeah, well, that is the best way. That is the best way to spread the message about the show is while you're listening to it, take your earphone out, if it's, especially if it's one of those gross ear pods. Silicony ones. Yeah. yeah, and just stuff it in someone else's ear. Go, you got to listen oh. to this. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely over the COVID pandemic now, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> or... So we're turn not it, shy listen about in your car. Wax. Listen in your car, turn it up, maximum volume. Yep. That's another good one, especially the intro of the music. So people think you're listening to techno and then it suddenly turns into two boring Australians talking. Oh, Lara's got no idea about all the riffs yeah, the, we've had about the, the music. Oh, yeah, that's probably the one thing I argue with my editor. I'm like, that's crap music, change it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to get harder, Pat. They change it now. No, it's, it's embedded it. now. It couldn't, like, oh, it, yeah, it's can't. way too far. Too late, it's yeah. weird. It's grown on me. I like it now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where am I at? Yeah. If you want to support the show, jump into Patreon. Patreon, a few bucks a month gets you this giant backlog of information. It's heaps of stuff in there and there's all kinds of tiers. If you wanted, you could buy me a Lamborghini. You just got yourself a new motorbike so they could get you another one. <laughs> well, I'm actually I'm actually looking into getting a Bentley now. If anyone wants to sponsor me one, a Bentley, a Bentley, that's yeah. not bad. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good idea. I'm aging. I'm I'm getting more elegant. It used mm-hmm. to be it used to be around the Porsches and the Ferraris and so forth, but now I'm thinking Bentley. I make the joke all the time about buying me a Lamborghini. I don't fucking want a Lamborghini. What the fuck am I going to do with a Lamborghini? What am I going to do with a Lamborghini? Too hard yeah. to get in and out of the long. Especially yeah. you got a family already. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do? I don't get, What am I going to do? Just go for a drive? As if I have time to just like get in a car and be like. I'm going to go and enjoy driving a car. And now that everybody knows your parking dilemma, they know that there's no way that you're going to want to park a Lamborghini. Exactly. Mm. All right, so buy me a Lamborghini. Uh, The other way is um, (laughs) buy a T-shirt and get into spring. There's links in all the show notes, all that kind of stuff. You'll be able to find it. Get yourself a cool T-shirt, socks, underpants, water bottles. No water bottles. And if you want to get in contact with us, best way to do that is jump into the Facebook discussion group. In there you can group source information. Just don't be a dickhead to anyone in there. And if you want something like that you don't post in the group that's personal feedback you shoot us an email we are info at the canonparadigm.com goodbye <laughs>